0: It helps me just at the very least to give meaning to my life as a filmmaker to use the terms that are at the core of Film Forward. The idea that there is cultural dialogue and there's cultural dialogue and you don't have to go far. You can go to a different part of New York City and you can have students of color express wonderment and in some ways confusion that there are poor white Americans. And that's already a bridge of something that just eases up certain kinds of assumptions that are made about how things work in this country Similarly, it was interesting to see the way that, for example, the music of the Ozarks did seem to really compel and interest foreign audiences that would make people in the Ozarks really delighted, that people in Austria and Sweden and Finland were curious about their lives and their music-making and their art forms. That does a lot. That does a lot to feel like there's this empathetic interest in your life among people who live really far from you and who you've never met. And All of that is in this mix of the very good things that happen when uh, two people who don't know a lot about each other start to talk.
1: That was director of the award-winning film Winter's Bone, Deborah Granick. She was talking about her experiences with the program Film Forward. Winter's Bone was one of the films chosen for the inaugural year of the program. Film Forward was created to use the power of film to inform and build a global conversation around the issues and themes explored in the specific films chosen for the program. Welcome to Artworks, the program that goes behind the scenes with some of the nation's great artists to explore how art works. I'm your host, Josephine Reed. Film Forward is an initiative of the Sundance Institute and the President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities in partnership with the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Institute of Museum and Library Services, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Now in its second year, Film Forward presents five American and five foreign films, both narrative and documentary, to audiences in the United States and abroad. Its aim is to enhance cross-cultural understanding, collaboration, and dialogue. Through Film Forward, moviegoers engage with the filmmakers themselves during post-film talkbacks, roundtables, and workshops. In places ranging from China to the Chippewa Reservation in northern Michigan, from Tennessee to the Ghetto Film School in the Bronx. In May, halfway through its first year, the whole Film Forward team, including all 10 of the directors, came to Washington, D.C. for a one-day multi-venue screening of all 10 films. That's when I had the chance to speak with Carrie Putnam. She's the executive director of all of the Sundance Institute's programs, including Film Forward. We spoke in her hotel room, and fair warning, you will occasionally hear the sounds of the city in the background. I began our conversation by asking her how the films for the program were chosen.
2: As everything in this project is, the films are selected on a um, collaborative basis between the Sundance Institute as the private partner and our and our federal partners. The way it works specifically for film selection, Sundance Institute chose a batch of the best films, but you know many more than we would ultimately come to choose for the final selection. And we presented—I can't remember exactly how many, probably about. 30 to 40 contenders for the Film Forward Slate. And we shared um, copies of those films, information about those films, and our knowledge of the artists behind the films in terms of how they would fare in discussions about their films. Because sometimes, you know, there's a great movie, but that filmmaker isn't necessarily the best one to handle and and generate discussion around the movie because, you know, that's a factor here too. So Two different skill sets. Exactly, exactly. So using our knowledge of the field and our knowledge of the filmmakers, we presented a universe and then we all got together and we mixed and matched and we thought we wanted to make sure that there was a balance between narratives and documentaries. Uh, We wanted to certainly make sure that there was a balance between international films and domestic films. So weighing all those factors in and the criteria being the highest quality and their ability to speak universally on themes that will get people thinking, get people talking, and generate that dialogue. Those are really the key criteria.
1: Well give me an example of some of the films that were chosen this year. Sure,
2: sure. Well there's there's ten films in the program and it's hard to it's hard to pick among them, but I just ran into one of our filmmakers, Jennifer Arnold, Her, her film is called A Small Act. And it's a beautiful film, which is a documentary. It tells the story of a Kenyan man who, as a child, was the recipient of a grant to get his education, his secondary education, and ultimately his um, later education. And um, he went on to great success his career and academically and wanted to give back and set up a a fund of his own, an educational fund of his own for children in Kenya to have the same opportunities he had Um, so the story tracks the children that are competing in the Kenyan system to access those funds but extraordinarily it also tells of his search for the woman who funded his education who ends up being alive and living in Sweden it's about their connection over all of these years and how her act of generosity really was paid forward through his through his act so it's, it's about the Value of education. It's about the interconnectedness between um, countries. It's about what one person can do to make a difference. It's one example of a film that has so many themes to it. I think, and you can screen it anywhere. And those issues bring up a lot of great conversations.
1: I would think, and I thought it's a it's a great companion film with Freedom Riders.
2: Absolutely, and Freedom Riders, Stanley Nelson's film, another documentary, tells the story of the Freedom Riders and the American Civil Rights Movement. It's a Powerful tale. It's a, it's a beautifully made documentary. And I think to bring that film and that sort of personal footage, the, the sort of intimate footage of that time and place and that story in America, for example, Freedom Riders was just screened in China. So bringing that film as part of
1: this program to
2: Chinese students and Chinese audiences.
1: Well, let's jump ahead and, yeah. and talk about that, because as the films are being screened, as I recall, they're going to six different countries and six different states. Is yes, that, is that... yes. Six international and six domestic locations. We began in
2: Tunisia, and then we went to Istanbul, and actually to Ankara. We went around Turkey a bit. Then we, um, we've just returned from China. Our next trip is going to be Kenya and then Uganda and then we're going to Morocco, and then um, we do UNESCO in Paris. So Paris isn't you know, as much of an underserved audience for independent film as the rest of these areas are, but because it's the UNESCO gathering, we, we're presenting these films there as well.
1: That's what I was going to ask you, who the target audiences are for these films.
2: Right. In every location we go to, the primary goal is to reach audiences wouldn't necessarily self-select to go see an independent film that would be that would be the ones that might be hard to reach with stories like these that aren't used to seeing films that reflect a, the, as diverse an experience as, as this slate of films does so we're looking for audience that are in smaller communities or or communities that maybe are not um, are not served by a movie theater that screens these sorts of films or, or another means of getting them that's one audience we also have in every location we go we look to do some education outreach so either with um, universities or high school students, we look to try to do some outreach and bring the films and filmmakers to talk about both the creative process and the themes of the films with um, uh, educational in an educational setting. And then finally, and this is the Sundance perspective, and it's very important for us as a part of the program, we have a lot of partners who are in the artistic community. So we do look for an element that's an artist-to-artist exchange, for example, master classes or workshops or an opportunity to share work from the region with our artists. For example, in China, we, as a sort of a sidebar to the program, we partnered with an organization called CineX, which is the largest, and I think maybe the only, independent documentary organization in China, and we did a joint workshop with them for new Chinese filmmakers. So it's, it's not strictly part of the Film Forward program, but being there with Li Fan and his film and being there with Stanley, it was a great opportunity to um, connect those artists and those thinkers at, a, at another level.
1: Well, it's interesting because as I'm looking at the slate of films Mm -hmm. and looking at the places that you're bringing them, it seems to be a really interesting combination of presenting films in, if not their home country, uh, in a culture that's quite similar Mm – and then having radically different right,
2: experiences. Right, right, right. So how's that been? It's been great. I mean, you know, you think Li Fan is a Chinese filmmaker. we presenting his film in China it was extraordinary for him because he hadn't had an opportunity to do that. He lives in Montreal now. So that, that was a specific instance of bringing a filmmaker from a region to his home country. That was the only example of that so far. But it was great because he was also able to help us as a, as a sort of a co-host, an intermediary, to generate interesting discussion with the other films, Winter's Bone, and Freedom Riders and all the other ones that were there with their artists to, to sort of help us bridge those cultural discussions. When we were in Turkey, in Istanbul, Shireen Dabis was there, and she's not Turkish, but she lives, she's an American from the region, and she tells a story about a Palestinian woman who's, emig- you know, immigrated to the United States and her family. And the film Amrika, in telling a story that comes from the region, you know, the Middle East, um, in the Middle East with a filmmaker of Middle Eastern descent, but who grew up in America, America was a great opportunity to talk about, you know, what perceptions are of how America feels about the Middle East and how, um, you know, what the immigration experience is like. And I think it was um, both the the cultural connections she had and the differences were really able to become points
1: of discussion. And in just a stunning piece of, I don't know, fortune.
2: Tunisia. Tunisia.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were in Tunisia
2: just a few weeks before um, all the changes that happened there. I don't know that we could, from the screening program that we had, have predicted that that was about to happen, but, but we did screen 10 films there. We were in a, engaged in a dialogue around all of these themes right at that time with a bunch of very, very engaged audiences. So I'll be curious to go back to North Africa. it be interesting to see how that how that feels by comparison.
1: I would imagine, as you're looking to reach out to underserved audiences, Mm -hmm. I mean, audience building is something, of course, that, you know, we're all very concerned with and and spend time thinking about, that your work with local partners would be really important to help you do that. Critical piece. And in fact, the program wouldn't work. The program
2: couldn't work with Sundance, even with the federal partners going into regions, even domestically, um, never mind internationally, without partners. So internationally. We, we've been hosted by the embassies um, who's, who's helped us um, logistically, helped us set, reach communities that we're looking to reach that we may not know about. But we also find a local presenting partner that is usually another arts organization like Sundance. So for example, in Turkey, it was the IF Film Festival. In China, as I mentioned, it was Cinex. Um, in Tunisia, it was another film-based organization. So these are organizations that are that are used to reaching audiences, but understanding the goals of this program, know that they have to reach beyond. Beyond their usual constituents to, you know, to get out there into the field more. So it's a nice comparison with the embassies, our local arts partner. And then in some cases, we're looking for other NGOs. In Kenya, for example, example we're working with um, an organization called Film Aid, and they specifically deal with the refugee community there. So we'll be taking the films to the the refugee camps on the border on the, and um, screening there and doing some outreach um, with, with young people in those camps. So...
1: And you're also looking for underserved audiences here in the United States. Yes, I'd love to talk
2: about that a bit. And I think in that instance, our federal partners are very helpful because there are, you know, IMLS, for example, museums and libraries are a great place to start. You know, we always look for a partner in that category where we go. But um, a couple examples, um, we were in Nashville. Through our partners there, we had a a presenting community-based theater there in Nashville that helped us reach out to the Kurdish community We were able to screen Son of Babylon for the Kurdish community in Nashville. Um, We brought La Mission, which is Ben Bratt's film, to an at-risk youth center there where there were a lot of gay and lesbian youth, and the themes of the movie, obviously, very relevant for them. We're soon going to... Michigan, uh, to the Saginaw Chippewa Reservation, where Sundance Institute has a long-running Native and Indigenous program. And so working with tribes around the country is something that we're um, experienced doing. So be able to work with that tribe and bring in an Indigenous artist like Taika Waititi from New Zealand to work with that community is a great, great opportunity for us to engage partners locally, but but, but really show those sort of boundary-crossing themes that, that are all, what the program's all about. So.
1: Here's the paradox of film for me. Yes. Which is, it is a universal language. Mm -hmm. And it costs so much money to make a film.
2: Yes, it does. It does. And yet... I think we see with the increasing availability of technology, the means of production have come way down, and so still a lot of money. But you find extraordinary independent films being made for tens of thousands, as opposed to hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Um, you know, we're all familiar with what the studio movies cost, and you know, because we read about that in the paper all the time. But these films, they're personal. These films are made by passion. They're they're often, um, especially with the documentaries, they're often made with the support of of nonprofits. Organizations, and I think that as we see that technology being placed in more and more hands around the world, we'll find the, the accessibility of film production um, reaching more people.
1: But what about the all important question of film distribution?
2: Yes, well, that's something that we at Sundance think about a lot, and I'd like to just step back a minute and talk about what this program means to Sundance. I think, you know, Sundance for 30 years has been a place that dedicated to discovering and developing and supporting new artists in film and theater because we believe that storytellers in these medium really have an opportunity to inspire us and engage and you know, and connect us across boundaries. It's something that Robert Redford believed when he founded the Institute. So um, the idea of seeking those artists whose voices can help tell the stories to achieve that is a huge part of what we do and what we have done. But the second part of our mission, which is best embodied by the Sundance Film Festival and now by Film Forward, is to connect audiences with this new work. And initially, you know, 10, 15 years ago, having the film festival was a perfect way to do that because the distribution community would come there and then the films would get seen from there. And that still works to a large degree. But now, there's a number of wonderful films that just don't get distributed and it don't, don't get to the audiences that really might be eager to see them and and benefit from seeing them. So at Sundance we're looking for creative new ways to try to reach audiences that either can't afford to come to Utah in January or you know aren't lucky enough to see it when it's on PBS or ha- have the have the local theater in their community that screens these sorts of films. So a program like Film Forward with both, with boats, you know, supporting the artist by, you know, allowing their film to be seen in allowing them to connect with other artists and audiences and um seating audiences as we've talked about beyond the usual ones for independent film is very organic to what we stand for at Sundance and I think it's um I think it's one of many ways to kind of push beyond what people think about as traditional distribution in terms of getting these films in front of people.
1: The other part of film forward that seems to be quite crucial is the fact that in some ways the film continues when the lights come up. Absolutely in fact
2: that's the core belief of this program and the and the criteria for selection for the films is that these stories are ways of Engaging diverse audiences in dialogue about the underlying themes and and values that either connect or divide us, you know, that that, that will generate discussion. So the film is part one. The second part of the program is that those Q and A's, those roundtables, those educational opportunities, those artist to artist exchanges, all of these elements that allow the you know the original screening to get to get talked about will also then live beyond the visit to the country. Will live in the online community that we're building around these stories so that's another exciting evolution of it i think to allow the dialogue to continue so you plan to continue having a very active online presence we do i mean we've built the site as as you know the program started in december so you could go take a look at the site and it's got terrific blog content from both the artists and the audiences it, it's got a sort of a map of where we're going it's got all of our partners that we're reaching and and so it's an ability to to look at the program in its totality and begin to see to begin to see the impact build and i think as as we go on i think there'll be opportunities to as you say revisit revisit some of those
1: conversations one of your events in Washington DC is to screen all 10 movies down at the mall right Explain the significance
2: of this. This piece of the program in Washington, D.C., where we're going to screen all 10 of the films on the National Mall in one night simultaneously and follow it with a celebration of the Film Forward program outside the Smithsonian Castle, it's not a regular component of the program insofar as we're not arguing that the audiences here in D.C. are... Underserved for access to independent film or, or part of our outreach process specifically. But what we are trying to do is highlight here in Washington where decisions are made about the role of the arts in generating dialogue, the role of film in creating community and in sort of reflecting the diversity of our society. I think we are trying to highlight this program as one way that cultural diplomacy can take place in a very unexpected setting, I think, around, around the world. And I think by highlighting the program here, inviting audiences to see these films here and to take part in celebrating what the program is, hopefully we'll draw some attention to the work that we're doing and you know maybe there'll be other ideas from this community that get generated to use the arts
1: in these ways. You know, it's interesting because in the film, A Small Act, so many of the characters Mm. speak eloquently about the importance of education, Yes, not just to raise people from poverty, but to overcome prejudice, to broaden not just their mind, but their hearts. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's some way that Film Forward is, is sort of illustrating how the arts can fill that same role.
2: I I think Film Forward is a a perfect illustration of how the arts can fill the role of expanding people's minds as well as their hearts because you have stories that certainly you can engage with the stories on the basis of the themes they deal with and the the issues that they raise, but you're also engaging with them as you do with any great story uh, on a personal emotional level and you have an opportunity to talk to the storyteller directly and to really Talk with them about the roots of where the story came from for them, and and how how you've connected to it, and share that experience um, on a on a on a deeply personal level. And I think that actually allows an audience to engage even more deeply, in turn, in the thematic issues because they have connected to something emotionally.
1: What do you think cultural diplomacy allows one to do, perhaps that normal? diplomatic avenues does not? I have no
2: experience, direct experience, with uh, traditional diplomacy personally, but I would say if you look at, you look at the range of tools to allow people to Deepen understanding across perceived boundaries and borders or actual boundaries and borders um, the idea that uh, a true and deeper personal reflection of what one culture is like that can be presented to another culture that may not have an opportunity to see us fully based on the the media they get or other efforts that are made that are that are coming from a you know a political or a, or even a military point of view this is an opportunity I think to to reflect a different aspect of our culture. You don't see anywhere else, I think, the stories of America, for example, that you would see in America or that you would see in even Winter's Bone. Many of the stories that that are set here tell a part of the American story that isn't very widely available elsewhere in the world. And equally, the international stories, I think, enlighten American audiences about parts of the world like Son of Babylon in Iraq that they may not have understood. And I don't feel that there's any kind of substitute for that sort of personal, intimate, emotional storytelling to help cultures understand one another and that's at the heart of diplomacy.
1: Okay, so let me ask you a personal question, which is what was it that made you look at film and say, that's where I want to spend my life?
2: Right, well, I actually started in theater, so for me my you know personally, what I believe in is is storytelling and i I studied theater and the the way a culture's stories reflect it I mean going back as far as you can go back, I've always been very interested in that, and I feel oftentimes what gets commodified in the commercial storytelling culture that we have isn't necessarily as diverse and um, and true a reflection of the society we live in as the films that come out of um, you know more independent voices. So for me, it's always been a passion, whether it's in theater, and Sundance has a terrific theater program as well, whether it's in theater, documentary, narrative, the idea of that art form and that emotional connection both is just something unto itself that I truly love but also is something that is has an ability to reflect our our culture in a way that's very true um, and meaningful that's always driven me
1: what do you think is the biggest challenge that young filmmakers are facing now? The biggest challenge young
2: filmmakers are facing now is distribution. And I think Film Forward is not an answer to that. It's one response to that, and certainly, you know, a partial you know, opportunity for certain films to get seen where they wouldn't. But the distribution situation that independent filmmakers find themselves in is, it's certainly they can post their film on the internet, or they can get their film into a theater, possibly through a lot of elbow grease, but breaking through the clutter of all the media that's out there and getting recognized and getting noticed without having the means to mount a marketing campaign and do the sort of outreach that the bigger organizations do, that's that's probably the biggest challenge. I would say even bigger today than financing. And finally, what is the most heartening or exciting development? Well, I think the most heartening development, if you look at, for example, this year's Sundance Film Festival as a reflection of of what the state of of the world is in film, we got 10,000 submissions to our festival this year, including short films. And this isn't coming from L.A. and New York. This is coming from all over the world. You know, a lot of the films that we feature at Sundance are international and domestic from all sorts of regions. So what it says to me is that People are beginning to embrace this form of personal expression and that there's a media literate generation coming up that really wants to tell its own story. And I think that's terribly exciting in
1: terms of what we'll see in the future. That's great, Carrie Putnam. Thank you. Thank you. That was Carrie Putnam. She heads Film Forward. Film Forward is an initiative of the Sundance Institute and the President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities. The films for the program's second year have just been announced. They include Another Earth, Beginners, and The Green Wave. Among their destinations, the Chickasaw Nation in Oklahoma, Morocco, and India. To find out about all of the films and their destinations, and for more information about the project, go to Sundance.org and click on Film Forward. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Adam Campy is the musical supervisor. Excerpt from For Eric, Piano Study, from the album Metascapes, composed and performed by Todd Barton, used courtesy of Valley Productions. Special thanks to Deborah Granick and to the folks at the Sundance Institute. The Artworks podcast is posted every Thursday at arts.gov. And now you can subscribe to Artworks at iTunes U. Just click on the iTunes link on our podcast page. Next week, Brenda Wineapple discusses her biography of Emily Dickinson. To find out how Artworks and communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.